Good morning and welcome to episode three of Morning Matcha. We're here today with Kippy Miller of Kippy's Organic and Non-Dairy Ice Cream Shop. So thank you for coming. I love being here. Thank you. And I'm so excited that we're doing this over matcha because I just tried your matcha ice cream and it blew my mind. Good. Thank you. And so I just wanted to, before we get into business and other things, I wanted to learn more about you and your background because I just know you as Kippy's Ice Cream Shop in Venice and, and I know you have an amazing accent. So where are you from originally? Thanks. I grew up in Texas and my family still lives there. I grew up um, in a small town in West Texas called Breckenridge. It's population 3,500 people. And so so we know everybody. And um, I grew up there with maybe they had three restaurants, right? They had like the local Mexican food place. We had a pizza place and we had a diner, maybe two diners. Wow. Yeah. And so I grew up with my with my mom cooking food. We I'm the oldest out of four. Oh, okay. And so we didn't go out to eat mm-hmm. much at all. Like maybe a couple of times a year and in, in really in all encompassing. Um, but mostly my mom cooked dinner and my dad got up and cooked breakfast for us uh, every morning. And they still live there? They still live there. Well, yeah. that's nice. I, I don't know. You know, they've never moved on. They come to see <laughs> me in LA and I, I used to live in New York and, um, you know, I always want, I want them to be a little bit more broader. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as they've aged, especially my mom has gotten more broad, but, um, my siblings all still live there. Oh, they do. Yeah, in they, Breckenridge. Uh-huh. Wow. They all still live there. So I'm the only one. And when did you leave? Um, as soon as I graduated <laughs> high school, I, my graduation was on a, my mom remembers this specifically. I turned 18 right before we graduated. So I was a little bit young. Um, but I turned 18, I graduated high school on a Saturday night and my car was parked, uh, packed on Monday morning for me to start summer school and college. Cause I just, I had to get out. <laughs> you knew, I knew from an early age, I knew from the time that as a kid, I spent all of my time in the library reading books because I always wanted to see what the outside world was. We lived in a very, very insulated place mm-hmm. and my parents actually didn't travel much. Like it was a very middle class, four kids. You know, my mom worked at the beauty shop. My my dad was a mechanic. Um, so we didn't travel. And so I spent my entire childhood reading books to see what the outside world was really about. That's so great. How um, curious you were and are. Yeah. I, I want to say, so I've been an avid reader my entire life. And I'm going to say that since I started a business eight years ago, I don't read as much. And that's kind of a sad thing, but, um, but I've, I think reading, other people's versions of the world is mm-hmm. helps you form your version of the world. It, mm-hmm. it, it helps you say, yes, I agree. Or no, I don't agree. Or, Oh, I kind of like this shade of what they're talking about. So let me put this into my, 
version of the world. So I'm a I'm a big, big, big avid fan of kids reading a lot. Uh, just yeah. in, in, in an overall, like not just for vocabulary, but just for their overall vision mm-hmm. of what of what this world. If you if you think this world could be something, then it can be something, mm-hmm. right? And so that's I think what what reading teaches. Um, so I guess in the aspect of, I'm thankful that I grew up in a small town because it gave me that opportunity to read. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my background. And I went to college and then I went to New York. Where did you go to college? I, I went to school in Texas. Oh, okay. I, so this is how I picked my college. <laughs> Not by, I didn't have very good academics. Actually, I was a C student all through high school. Like, I don't really? know what my parents thought that they were going <laughs> to do with me. Um, my sister was a, um, a solid A plus student. Mm-hmm. Um, how much younger is she? She's two and a half years oh. younger than I am. And it's funny cause I think they all thought she was going to be the one that broke out. And mm-hmm. as it turned out, it was our, our worlds were yeah. very different. Um, but I picked my college based on beauty. Like I, I went to all of these different universities and I went to the most beautiful, uh, school in Texas. Uh, it's, it's in San Marcos and it has three rivers running through it and it's green and it's about 70 degrees basically all year wow, round. I need to check that. Place so, out. um, so that's how I picked my college mm-hmm. and, and loved it. And then New York and then New York, uh, after graduation, Um, I was, so I was in fashion in Dallas and, Mm. and I just got recruited for a company in New York for jewelry and, um, or for, for handbags and accessories. And I went to New York and I spent almost 10 years in New York off and on. And, um, I remember I was 24 when I moved to New York And I just, I loved it. Like the moment I stepped off the airplane, I loved the air. I loved the pollution. (laughs) I I loved the energy. I loved the dirtiness of it. I loved the grit of it. Yeah. The beauty of it, the people. I loved every, the food. It was like, I mean, I grew up with my mom's home cooking. So like it was the first time I was experienced to like Greek food and Puerto Rican food Mm -hmm. and it was just amazing. Yeah. The so smells. much culture. Yeah. I think that, I mean, they can be really disgusting. Definitely. But the in the smells can oh, be. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the smells in the summer, maybe not so much, but sometimes you walk down the streets of New York and you just smell and you're just like, oh, you can smell the energy, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so much happens there. So it's much. hard to stay away from. I never thought this is how growth happens, right? Like you grow. You grow to a point of being in New York and you're like, this is it. This is it for me. And you don't realize that there's actually more growth to happen Mm because you just feel like you've reached your capacity. But as humans, we never do. And I thought I was going to be there forever. It never, like LA came to me in fashion. You know, we would come here on business or different things, but I grew up in Texas and I love New York. So LA was completely out of the question Mm -hmm. for me. Like it was it was the land of frou-frou and just things I didn't understand. So I never, ever thought uh, I would be here in L.A. 
what brought you here? Well, as we grow, right? Uh, I was in New York for a long time. I was in fashion. And I, I, a couple of things happened. Someone said to me when I was about 28 or 29 in fashion, they were like, you, you, you should be happy, Kippy. You should, I feel like you're always like 90% happy, but 10% um, not content. And it's, it's, it was true. Um, I was always just a little discontent mm-hmm. in fashion and in my life. And I couldn't ever figure out why, but I knew that I, I could feel the discontent in me. And uh, what I realize now is, is like I wasn't giving to this world. I Aww. wasn't giving back. I was, I was in fashion and I was, I was taking, um, but we were, you know, we were putting out five collections a year. I didn't know what the word eco was, but I knew <laughs> that the consumer is, I knew that, that putting out five collections a year and just trying to get people to consume more, I knew it was wrong yeah, on a basis. Yeah. I just didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't have the depth. I didn't have the knowledge to know that, that what I was seeking was trying to be eco and environmentally conscious and not even just being aware, but doing some sort of action. So, so there was that discontent, discontentness, and there was this unhealthiness to, I think in any type of career, and I'm going to use fashion, but I I think it's in all careers that we can get jumbled into is that we were doing five collections a year. I was traveling to five to six cities every 11 weeks. I was on the road for three weeks to, mm. to six weeks at a time. And so it was hard to have a relationship. I missed all of my friends that I worked so hard to find in New York, mm. right? My, my six little friends in New York, <laughs> you know, I missed their birthdays or anniversaries because most of the time I was traveling and also it's really hard, I think, to be healthy when you're traveling. It could just be me. It is. It could just be like I don't have the discipline. But to uh, even when you know healthy, what healthy means for you, it's still difficult yeah. to say on. Yeah, I mean, try like I'm sorry, but you go to the airport and all of your water is just in plastic, mm-hmm. right? And that in itself is really harmful for the environment. Forget about the the brands of the water, and so. What happened was it all kind of caught up with me in the fact that since I was a kid, I had had headaches and migraines my entire life. I've been wearing glasses. I remember going and getting glasses at six years old, which was, uh, that was, that was in the eighties. Very, we might see kids in glasses now, but we didn't see it then. Mm -hmm. And it was, they were like, oh, you need to wear glasses because it helps you see. And it gives you, (laughs) you, you have these headaches and. And then it was like, you don't wear your glasses. So that's why you have a headache or there's stress at home. It was all of these, these things that I've had that plagued me. And so when I turned 30, the migraines got so bad that I was calling in sick to work Mm. and I'd never done that before, but the migraines were like, I had to like take a hot shower. I was throwing up. Mm. I couldn't have light in my apartment. So I went to the doctor And, uh, he was like, okay, well, here is a prescription for your headaches and migraines. And I thought about it and, you know, 
popping pills has just not been my thing. Mm -hmm. Just even from a kid, I've always resisted taking medication. So I didn't know what the answer was, but I just put the prescription in my handbag and I was just like, okay, not for me. Um, And I kind of went on and the the discontentness was rising in me. And um, so was the headaches and migraines. So it just kind of led to this breakthrough of I'm going to quit fashion. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm going to take a four month road trip with one of my friends uh, that I, that from college and I'll figure it out from there. That's so brave. Everybody was shocked, right? <laughs> like, so I'm like in my, I'm at, I'm 30. I spent uh, six years working in New York to get to the, to the level that I mm-hmm. was at and it was big and you, I had made a lot of money. A, what company were you with? I or? was with different companies in mm-hmm. New York, but basically I worked with fashion designers to get them into any of the department stores mm-hmm. that they wanted from Bergdorf's to Nordstrom's to Neiman's to, to wherever. And so, um, I had, I had reached uh, some milestones in my career and I think my, it really hit my mom the most because she was so proud of these milestones, mm-hmm. right? And they are something to be proud of. And also they are not defining me as a person, right? Yeah. Like we kind of get caught up on like, I reached this milestone. So this gives me value as a human being. That's actually not true, mm-hmm. right? That's just a milestone. That's yeah. a goal that you reached. And now it's time to, to give yourself bigger goals So I went on a four month road trip and I wound up in LA and I was like, well, this is odd. And I don't know what to do with myself. And my very first boss in fashion was in Hawaii. And she goes, why don't you come to Hawaii and, um, you know, chill for a little bit. I have a house for you to, to house it. That's so nice. It was beautiful. And again, it reminds me of don't burn your bridges. Yeah. <laughs> you know, It's yeah. just like, just don't burn. Like if you have a problem at work or wherever, it just is like, go, go talk to them, work it out. Because I remember her as my first boss and, you know, I was like 20, I was still in college. I was like 21, 22. I didn't know much about communication, but, uh, but, you know, somehow we always stayed connected. And so I went to Hawaii and um, I remember being Hawaii and still not knowing what to do with myself. Um, and there were some things that led up to me coming back to L.A. So basically I decided to move to L.A. on a whim Um And there was a designer here in LA that I just kind of fell in love with. And she no longer, she's no longer in the fashion business either. But at that time we just kind of loved each other and we were like, okay, let's form a working relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I came to LA and I started a life here and someone said to me in LA, as we were talking about headaches and migraines and health, they said one of the most powerful things to me, they said, you can take the power of your health into your own hands. And I still didn't know what that meant, Mm -hmm. but I knew it was significant. And I was like, this is just a random person you met somebody. I, somebody I was having dinner with, I think in fashion, right? Like there was a big group of us and, and it's, it, it just, 
it was just so profound. And it, and it came from somebody living in L.A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and still at that time, I didn't know that my diet had such an impact on my um, health. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. You know, in the 90s, everybody was just as long as you don't eat fat, you're healthy, right? Like that's how, <laughs> that's what the whole advice was. Just don't eat fat in the 90s and, and you're fine. And so I started doing some research and basically I found that um, if I knocked out dairy and sugar, that was a very big change for me in my diet. And this all started because of what this person said to you? Yeah. Yeah. And so again, it, it, uh, it rings a bell that everybody, I don't, I don't even know, you know what? I don't even, I can't actually remember who said it to me. Mm -hmm. They're not in my life now. I think it was just a one-time dinner with a bunch of friends, but do you see how like that one thing can change someone's life. It made me think, it made me research. And so what happened was I decided that, um, taking out cooked foods and kind of going on a raw diet and doing some cleansing and taking out sugar and dairy out of my diet would be a good thing. How did you come to that? Because that's all like, there's so much information out there on all sorts of diets. So how did you find that one? So this was about eight or nine years ago. So raw vegan diets were pretty popular yeah. eight or nine years ago. And it was a new thing, but it was starting to get really popular mm-hmm. about enzymes. We were really talking about enzymes at that time. And so, you know, you kind of went online and I did a little research. And, and what happened was somebody in fashion said, okay, you want to know about raw foods? You want to know about enzymes? I have a person that you need to meet. They've been researching raw foods for many years. And so I called this dude up. His name is Max Wolf. And I called him up and introduced myself and told him who gave me his name and number. And he had a small ceviche company. Mm. So he was doing fish uh, in, in making ceviche. And he was, that was kind of, so it definitely wasn't raw vegan. He was, he was just introducing raw foods into everybody's diet at the moment or at that time. And he says, look, he goes, I know a lot about food. And if you, if you want to know more, you can come and work for me. Oh, that's awesome. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And basically what I decided to do was go work for him for 10 times. Part-time. Oh, part- so you were still doing fashion. I was still and- doing fashion. Okay. I was going to go work for him like on Saturday and Sundays for $10 an hour <laughs> washing dishes so I could ask him questions. That's so funny. And everybody, again, thought I was crazy, especially <laughs> my boyfriend at the time. He's like, what are you doing? You're in fashion. You're making, I didn't need the money. And you know, I don't understand. And again, I just had the intuition. I couldn't actually, how can you give a logical answer to going and washing dishes for $10 an hour? Yeah. If, if you have a career, right. And I just, I said, I just, I don't know, but I feel like this is the thing for me. This is the stroke. And, um, so on Saturday, uh, I think it was Saturday and Sundays. It might've been another day, but I went over there twice a week to wash dishes and there's a couple of things that happened. One was he had a gallon 
of raw honey on his counter. And this is honey that had never been heated before. And it was this beautiful amber, the the light soaked into it. I just, I was just fascinated by this Mm -hmm. honey. And so I stuck a, a spoon in there and had some. And I have to say, we must all have these moments, but the moment I had a teaspoon of raw honey, my whole body just kind of relaxed. Just was like, oh, like I can't, I can only say that it was a pivotal moment in my physical body of, holy cow, I just got all of the minerals and vitamins that I needed in this little teaspoon of raw honey. It was, it was, it was again, a life changing moment because I was aware of the changes, Mm -hmm. right? That's the other thing we have to be careful is like we have to know when our physical bodies change yeah that's so hard for most people it is Mm -hmm. so that was pivotal with the raw honey I was just it was super profound and then a couple of weeks later we were at this it's it's no longer open but on on Rose Street there was this raw co-op there where you could buy lots oh, of yeah. raw food. What was it called again? Rossum. Yeah. Rossum. I was at Rossum and I saw them making raw organic coconut cream. I saw them take the meat out of a coconut and press it. And I was like, wow. And I had some. And again, <laughs> it was a pivotal moment. My entire body just became, just became sated. Like Mm -hmm. I had a couple of teaspoons or tablespoons of the coconut cream. And it was like, your body didn't need one single other thing. And I couldn't believe it. I was just like, this is transforming my body. So I got, so what happens? I got super serious about eating raw and wait, uh, let me interrupt you real quick. Were you doing any type of spiritual practice and nothing? None. No yoga or meditation? I'd always done Bikram yoga since I was in New York, but, and I love Bikram, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that that's a spiritual practice. Yeah. I mean, but you had a sense of stillness, like the two minutes of stillness at the end of class. Like you had that because I think, you know, for most people, it's hard to even find that, like we mentioned. So you eating the coconut cream and finding that, I mean, it's not the same feeling probably. I don't know if that's the same feeling, but just knowing. It's, it is knowing. And it's funny because I didn't, I grew up in a very conservative religious family. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, we grew up, my, my dad's side's Jewish and my mom's side's Christian. So we grew up in both faiths. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and there is some heavy programming about religion and at that, when, what you're talking about is the intuition and I still didn't have a spiritual practice to fall on mm-hmm. as, as now I do, but mm-hmm. at that time I didn't, but I had enough to know inside of me that that intuition was right. Mm-hmm. And I've had enough um, how can you say it? I guess we're going to use the word maverick and I don't know if this is right, but I've had enough maverick in me to know when I need to do something, no matter what any other person thinks. Right. Yeah. And that's 
that has been probably the success of my entire life mm -hmm. is that at least my parents raised me to, to be, to follow what I think is, is, is good for me. And so even when they were like, uh, what are you doing? I'm like, this is what's good for me. Mm -hmm. Right. That's so, so powerful. So you have to have that strong connection. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful for that, especially with not at that moment or at that time having a spiritual practice. And now I have a spiritual practice and it's, it, we'll talk about that yeah, in a I moment, but, it, it, but it's, it's yeah. strong. But so what I did was I got super serious about changing my diet to uh, an all raw diet and I didn't go the raw vegan way. And um, I started eating a lot of raw fish and raw coconut cream and raw honey. And my headaches and migraines completely went away. And I, I have a book coming out and I write about this and now, and oh, there's great. a lot of science about it is that, listen, for 30, so that was when I was 35. Mm -hmm. I was eight years ago. So you look amazing. Thanks. Wow. Thanks. Um, so at 35, I realized that I had been fat deprived my entire life. Mm -hmm. And that's why I was getting headaches and migraines. Yeah, it's your brain. Yeah. There is not brain enough food. fat feeding my brain. I had always been a skinny little kid, right? With these headaches and migraines. And, and I, I just look back on my entire life going, oh my God, it was the fat. Mm -hmm. Like I was not performing. My brain wasn't performing. My body did not have the nutrients to actually perform at at a high rate. And so it was doing it's the best it could. Um, but as soon as I found fat, so, and it's interesting because up until that time, I had always had paychecks from other people. Every two weeks, I got a big fat paycheck, right? I traveled, I had done all of these things. And so I had decided to open up, we'll go into it in a second, but I had, I decided to open up my own business mm -hmm. with, with the Max. dude that, yeah. that taught me about raw food. And for eight years, we've been best friends and Aww. business partners. And I have to tell you, so in eight years of owning a business with a lot of stress, right, with trying to educate people and talk to people about dairy and sugar and just the, just the battles of, of financing and branding of a business is that uh, I don't have headaches and migraines, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and so it's really, really amazing. Mm -hmm. And there, I know that there's research and I've got to get a little bit more uh, familiar with it, but I really am going to go out there and say that women in particular need more raw fats than men, especially mm -hmm. because we give birth, mm -hmm. right? And um, I'm just, I'm a huge, huge advocate of us all getting more raw fats, coconuts, avocados, nuts, like let's all sit down and look at your diet mm -hmm. and put more raw fat in there. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, is to, we all know it and I don't know why we accept it as a society, but every single person in this country knows that sugar is bad for them. Mm -hmm. Even a five-year-old from kindergarten knows they still eat it. We yeah. still eat it as an adult. We still accept it in our food from a vinaigrette to pastries to whatever. And I don't understand that. 
everybody knows that sugar is highly processed and is super harmful to to our bodies. And why we accept that we still use it in in our food is beyond me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's crack. That's why it's it it, it it's cheap. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. It yeah, is, that's it's true. It's super cheap. super cheap. There, I I wish I could remember it. So we use raw honey and our raw honey is $2 and 63 cents a cup. If I'm doing my math right. And a cup of white sugar is a uh, five cents. <gasps> that's, that's the disparity. That's, that's big that's when you're talking huge. about business. Yeah. That's huge. And in so business. then in business, if we value money, what happens is every, there's always pressure to cut your cost, cut your cost, mm-hmm. cut your cost, use different ingredients, use cheaper ingredients, use this as substitution. And before you know it, you're using sugar, sugar whether it's organic or not, it doesn't matter. It's still sugar. Mm-hmm. It's still super processed and sugar has been around for 500 years. And for a long time, we've seen the effects of sugar in our diet. Mm-hmm. So, so how did, okay. So you tasted the coconut cream yeah. and you had that feeling with the coconut cream yeah. and the honey. Yeah. So how did you come on to the ice cream? So Max with my business partner, he was really rigid uh, as a raw foodist, like really rigid, so rigid that I was just like, dude, you're a fanatic. <laughs> like you're a little crazy. Like, I mean, if I want to steam some broccoli, I'm going to steam some broccoli. Right. Yeah. And and that's how I am. It's just like, I, you Which know, is great because I don't, I don't think, I don't think anything a hundred percent is good for you in and maybe that's probably not the right thing to say, but I'm, I'm but not mentally, a big, maybe, yeah. yeah, it's like mentally and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so he, he really has a strong intellect about foods and the nutrition and, and the enzymes and, um, how not to alter them. And I just said to him, and I knew instinctively that, this was right. I just didn't know how to go about it. But I said, listen, I said, if you want to change this world, you're not going to do it by telling people not to eat dairy or sugar or to eat only raw or to eat only organic. But if we, if we come up with a dessert, right, that doesn't have dairy or sugar, that's, that's organic, that's raw. And if they love it, then they will start understanding the effects of organic, raw, no dairy, no sugar. Mm-hmm. And so when we saw the coconut cream, when I ate it and, and Max was with me, we both realized that that was the substitution that we could use for dairy. Mm-hmm. And so we knew that we wanted to go into ice cream also because ice cream is such a fundamental icon of American it is. dessert, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so, so bad for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And we, none of us care. We still eat that pint. And so it was an, we, we tackled that specifically. And, um, but we knew that making it, making some, making a healthy dessert was the way, was the key of how to change the world on a big level, which is what we were, we're set out to do is mm-hmm. to change the world on a really big level. And so we set that intent and that's what we did. And that's what we do. 
And how long did it take you to come up with the recipe? It didn't take us very long. So, so much work. It didn't. It actually, when I tell you, it might have taken us a couple of weeks. Well, so this is how it goes down. It took us a couple of weeks to like get the basic recipes down. And then what happened was I was, we were ready to like take it to some stores or we thought we were ready to take it to some stores. So we, we, we went to some very small, like Santa Monica co-op, PC greens, mm -hmm. um, other small stores. And so we, while selling, we actually got the recipes down a little bit more. We finessed them. And very quickly, I just picked up the phone to Whole Foods. And this is why I'm thankful for my background in fashion. And we should all be thankful for our history because our history leads us up to this to this point now. But mm -hmm. because of my background in fashion of like dealing with the big department stores, it was a natural stroke for me to call Whole Foods and... Uh, to get us into Whole Foods. And, mm -hmm. and I remember the buyer goes, you're so small. I don't even know how you got in front of me. Um, <laughs> but that was my job. So, you know, I just did, I just did my, what I needed to do. And so basically we got into Whole Foods early on as a company. And for four and a half years, I sold to, to Whole Foods. So we were in like 45 Whole Foods, we were in Mother's, which I think is six or seven stores yeah, in San Diego. Uh -huh. We were in Lassen's. We were in PC Green's Co-op. All of the Air One. We were all in the, the top uh, health food stores from Santa Barbara to San Diego. Mm -hmm. And we did it all ourselves. Had The I, two of you? The two of, yeah, me, Max, and like, I maybe, we had like two employees. <gasps> My first Christmas party eight years ago was me, Max, and two employees. Aww. Yeah, it was, it was four of us. <laughs> and so, um, and even while I was in Whole Foods, I still actually finessed the recipes. Mm -hmm. Like we were there, but we just kind of would make small adjustments of like too much raw honey, this much coconut. So so it was interesting to have the support of Whole Foods so early on um, and still while we're, we're finessing our brand and our recipes. And I learned a lot. I think this is how it goes. And I think this is even how people get into relationships. We all think it's going to be easy. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it, mm -hmm. right? If we knew how hard it was going to be, we would never, ever do it. But once you're in it, you're just in it. Yeah. So you've got to do it. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember because of fashion, because I had traveled so much and I was just so ready to like, I think, have a home base. I opened this company for a multitude of reasons. Once to make a dessert and change the world. But the <laughs> other one was to like stay home and do more yoga which is funny because that didn't happen because I had to work yeah. super hard. <laughs> um, but I remember thinking, no, I'm going to open this company and I'm going to do more yoga and I'm going to spend more time with my friends. And basically what happened is if I wanted to spend time with my friends, I had to convince them to come and work for free, <laughs> right? While I'm making ice cream. Yeah. Did you raise money to start it? No. Max reminded me the other day that we took out a $10,000 loan. And that's what we started the company with. Wow. Truly had, raw. Yeah, truly raw. I had some money in the bank. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what happened was 
I broke both my ankles early on when I first started this company. I broke both my ankles at the same time. It was a freak accident. I fell down the stairs and uh, the doctor said he only sees this like once every 10 years, both ankles completely Mm -hmm. shattered in many different places. And I was actually in a wheelchair. And again, it was significant in that it made me get really serious about how food and plant medicine can, can, heal, can, you. can yeah. heal you, right? The doctor couldn't do much. Matter of fact, the orthopedic surgeon put on these, um, uh, casts, these yeah. casts, they weren't real casts. They, mm-hmm. um, they were temporary casts, but he had put them on so tight that my, my toes were turning blue and it, it was almost, it I almost lost almost lost a toe. And so what's funny is like, it just goes back to like, you have the power, Mm -hmm. right? Like you cannot rely. This is where we all go wrong is. And I see it when I went to the doctor with my mom a couple of months ago is she goes and she is a 65 year old, super strong woman. And she goes into the doctor's office and becomes a Mm five-year-old child, like letting him dictate to her. And I'm like, why don't you ask him questions? And why don't you say, no, this doesn't feel good. This doesn't fit. Like this doesn't fit into my life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so we have to be super careful about, we can respect and take advice even from doctors, but we don't have to do exactly as they say. Yeah. If, especially if it doesn't feel right. Yeah. We just put, it's like these roles that we put people in and then, yeah. And then we just forget that we're in charge of our own life. Totally. And I, I see it over and over again. So uh, it, it just became important to me. I was like, okay, uh, I'm going to heal myself. This is part of my journey. And it was like, I'm going to say that it was, breaking both my ankles was a pivotal point in my life because I had always been super concerned about, I had made a lot of money in fashion And I was like, how is this little bitty organic raw dessert company ever going to support me? So I had my doubts. So Mm -hmm. of course it didn't support me. Right. Yeah. And, um, when I broke both my ankles, there was that, that was the end of fashion. That was done. Like I couldn't, I could not go back. Because you were doing both. I was doing both. Like I still, it was one of those things where I wasn't quite ready to to give up my paycheck. Right. Mm -hmm. But what happened was the universe, my destiny was like, no, this, this is your path, whether Mm -hmm. you see it or not. And so basically I had to break both my ankles to see, (laughs) to see my path. And I'm, I'm actually super grateful and super Mm -hmm. thankful because it could have just gone back and forth for years. I know lots of entrepreneurs who are like, they have a full-time job, but their love is their business and they get to work on it part-time. And it never grows yeah. because you only give it part time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm super thankful that I broke both my ankles and that was the end early on, early on. Yeah. So have, so Max is your partner still. Yeah. My business partner and best friend. And I wanted, I actually want to share this because I've seen it happen too. So Max and I became personally involved. We became boyfriend and girlfriend and we were, we were together for three years as a boyfriend, girlfriend, and we co-owned this company mm-hmm. together. And it was like two and a half years into it. We realized that 
we probably weren't in love with each other enough to spend the rest of our lives together, but we loved each other. Mm -hmm. And so then it took us about six months to figure out how this is all going to work. Yeah. And sometimes it was smooth and sometimes it wasn't. But what we did was we made the transition from a intimate, personal boyfriend, girlfriend relationship to best friends, to best friends, business partners. And that is amazing. I'm really, that is something I'm super proud of. And that actually is what defines me and him as a human being. Yeah. Was it, I mean, was it tough to go through that? Of course it was. It was totally tough. We had to go through some therapy, (laughs) but we were committed to it. Yeah. And, and I've seen other, I've actually seen some really, they were small, but I say like they were big, small, you know, they were a couple of million dollar businesses here in LA Mm -hmm. and I, and they were, and I've seen it more than once is that they were started by an intimate Mm -hmm. couple, couple. Right. And then it's super hard to sustain both. I don't understand how some people, some people are successful at both. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. you're definitely a superhuman being, Mm -hmm. but, but these couples couldn't sustain it and they had to sell their business. They had to break their business up. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a real shame. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm really, that's what I want to be defined as, as a human being is my relationships and how graceful and sustainable I can, I can continue with the relationship even when it changes. And so that's Max, so beautiful. Yeah. That's what I think as society we, we can admire. And Max and I have been, so we broke up about three and a half years ago. So it's been three and a half years as best friends and business partners. And we've seen each other in other personal relationships. And, um, you know, that's what is really, that's what I love about business can really make you grow as a person, Mm -hmm. as a, we all have our personal journeys through our businesses, even the big businesses, even Whole Foods and the CEO and, you you know, Donald Trump will put everybody out there. But every entrepreneur has a relationship with their business and they also have a personal growth relationship, mm-hmm. whether it's slow or fast. Whether they there, realize it or not. Whether it's true. Yeah. And sometimes... I'm also going to go, and I've thought a lot about this, about where, where I'm at in my business after eight years. And after eight years, I was like, I was thinking to myself the other day, I wish I was farther ahead. I wish I had more shops. I have two shops now. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had five because that's what my business model says. And I'm a little bit behind. And, and so I think about that and I'm like, but over this past eight years, is where I found my spiritual practice. Whereas before, mm-hmm. when we talked about the coconut cream and the raw honey, I didn't have a spiritual practice then. Mm-hmm. I just had some intuition. And and it's taken me eight years. I do kundalini yoga. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Do and, you go to Rama? Yes, I go mm-hmm. to Rama. I'm going to Rama tonight. Mm-hmm. And that I, I want to share with you. I want to share with you this story is that at my old location on Lincoln and Rose, I had been there for five or six years because that was the hub that I fed Whole Foods from. Oh, that like, was a kitchen. Yeah, it was a mm-hmm. huge commercial kitchen in the back. That's why it was such a small retail space. And 
even in New York, I had found Bikram, right? Bikram yoga where you're hot and you're sweaty and it helped me with my mental focus. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm internally grateful for Bikram in that it detoxes you. I mean, how mm-hmm. toxins leave your body is two ways, sweat and through fats, mm-hmm. right? So you better hope you're sweating and you better hope you're eating enough fat to get the toxins that we're surrounded with every day out of your body. And so one day... I had been wanting to open up a Bikram studio and I had gotten quite serious about raising some money and bringing in the teachers. And it was this space next to my, my, uh, kitchen in on Lincoln and Rose. And lo and behold, I see a bunch of people over there and they're all in white. (laughs) And I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) And this guru Jagat who owns the studio comes over to me and says, we're opening up a Kundalini yoga studio. And I was like, well, piss off. I was so <laughs> upset. Yeah. I was like, damn, I had wanted to do Bikram there. <laughs> and she goes, why don't you come over and take a class? And, and I saw everybody. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so weird. This is going to be another LA weirdo moment. <laughs> Did you know what it was at the time? I had no yeah. idea. And, um, but as a good neighbor, and as again, into so this is what happens. My intuition makes me say these things. And then my brain's like, what the hell did you just say you were going to do? So my intuition says to her, sure, I'll come over and take a class. And my brain's like, oh my God, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. And you're going in with a bunch of weirdos. And so I went over and I took a class and I walked into the studio and they were playing um, a mantra. They were playing some beautiful music. And in about 30 seconds, I fell in love. 30 seconds. Again, I'm going to say this. My body was completely satisfied. I was like, where am I? I feel completely relaxed and I feel completely sated. And that was three years ago that I found Kundalini. Is that when she, so she opened three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah. And I, so Kundalini, Guru Jagat, Yogi Bajan, who brought Kundalini to Mm -hmm. the West. I am ever, ever, ever so grateful for, and I've, I've, so I do, so I do a lot of speaking events or, or quite a few. And I spoke at her Aquarian business training Mm -hmm. that she does every year for about seven days out of the year. She, she teaches how to start or or to continue your business in this Aquarian age and and in a conscious sacred commerce manner. And so I spoke uh, about it and I said, listen, we all have a nervous system that is completely frantic in this world. And this world is not going to slow down. We're only going to get faster. Mm-hmm. Human beings, our lives are only going to get faster, faster pace. There's nothing we can do about it. So what that means is you have to have your nervous system. You have to have your glandular system in check. And the way to do that is meditation. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, two hours, doesn't matter. Five minutes. Even Yogi Bajan's like, all it takes is three minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Three minutes a day. Who doesn't have three minutes a day to close their eyes and to just totally think about their breathing for a second? And so, especially for entrepreneurs, especially, 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 this is the thing that I drill, I drill in most is that you have to meditate. Otherwise, you will crumble under the pressures of business now. Mm-hmm. 
And I'll give you an example is back in March, uh, we had raised $1.5 million and that was something that we had been working. We had been working on this for about six or seven months. Is that the first round? It was my first Mm -hmm. round of investment and, um, everything, the term, everything was agreed upon and it took us a couple of days to get the contracts from the lawyers. And as literally I was pressing the send button to the investor, he's texting me saying, I'm so sorry, but a couple of things have happened and I'm not going to be able to invest the 1.5 million. And I'm like, uh, what just happened? Because I wrote checks, right? Like the deal was done. I wrote checks. I spent the, not all of it, but I spent the money and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) And I, and at that moment I was so grateful for Kundalini yoga. I was so grateful for my nervous system being healthy my glandular system working, like, because I was able to handle the stress. Mm -hmm. I was able not to freak out and, and like ruin a relationship because Mm -hmm. things happen, right? Things just happen in business and in personal things just happen. And you have to be able to deal with it. Everything just doesn't work out smoothly as you think it does. Everything does work out, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't work out in that point from point that we think. Yeah. It's not linear. Yes. It is so not linear. So I give that example because I had, I had spent the money. Mm. I had, you had moved at that time. I had moved like I had given my word. I had signed contracts based upon this contract. And so I just go deeper into, um, having, and an emotional mental health that is, um, that is super healthy, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a hundred percent that has, that has something there that doesn't allow me to break down. I mean, you can break down crying, sure, but don't break down lying on the floor and you can, but you have to be able to pick yourself up. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I'll, I want to say this is, um, is I think. I think Kelly Slater, the surfer is really well known around here. Yeah. And he came into my shop a few months ago and we were just, we were talking about success and he said the same thing. He goes, look, I fall all the time on my surfboard. What, what differentiates me is I pick myself up and I get back. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's the same thing in business. We all make mistakes. We all like, we'll make a decision. And then it's like hindsight. Oh, maybe that wasn't the right one. Cause now in hindsight, you have more information. The thing is we all make mistakes. You have to a not, not let it define you. B you've got to be able to move on and C hopefully you have enough money to sustain it. That's really where I think businesses succeed or not succeed is if you make a mistake, you just got to have enough money and enough forethought, forethought and enough courage to pivot to make up for it. Yeah. That that we all make mistakes. There's all there's failures every day in my business and 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 businesses all the time. Yeah. So with your part are you majority partner or is it We're 50/50. So you make all your decisions together. We make them together or we're like you make that decision, oh. right? And that's the thing about being partners is look, they don't always make the decision you would make. Mm -hmm. And there's some things that you have to talk about and some things you're going to fight about. But in the end, you have to know 
that overall their decisions are good decisions, mm-hmm. right? I make mistakes. And so he has to learn to live with those mistakes yeah. and he makes mistakes and I have to learn to live mm-hmm. with those too. Right. So it's a, you just have to know that it's part of the journey. Yeah. You know, I hear a lot about, oh, you know, how do you find the right business partner? And I, I don't know if it's about finding the right business partner. It's about speaking the same vocabulary. It's about when you use certain words, you and that person know the meaning mm-hmm. of that word, mm-hmm. right? And that's why I think that part of the reason why Max and I were able to sustain and grow was that we decided we were going to go to therapy and we, we, we went to the same therapist and we used the same terminology and the same vocabulary. And so we understood when things got rough, we could sit down and chat or when thing, one of us got really rough and we were hollering and screaming, we didn't take it personal and that defined the business relationship mm-hmm. because we all, we all lose it sometimes. Yeah. We all wind up on that floor crying. It's just a matter of whether you pick yourself up or not. Mm-hmm. So it's about, okay, after you've had your, your breakdown, are you ready to talk? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready to talk. Okay. And so that's, that's actually a business relationship, yeah. right? So. Have you ever felt inequality as a woman in business or what, raising money? I don't know if you ended up raising money. Um, we're still raising money. Mm-hmm. And yes, I feel like, I feel, and it's an interesting thing. Like sometimes I'm like, is it just me or are they not giving me money because I'm a woman? And I hear it often. I mean, I hear, these are the things I hear. I hear, okay. You have a business model to be the first organic non-dairy ice cream franchise in this country. You don't have any experience. So you need to hire somebody that's done it before. You don't have a master's from Harvard or Yale or, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't go to an Ivy League school. So obviously I'm not smart enough to duplicate my business model. That's ridiculous. Um, Uh, no one's ever quite said it was, I mean, I don't think anybody ever says, well, you're a woman, I'm not going to give you money, but there it's an underlying, it's an underlying thing. And I've had, I've had meetings with women that could have invested and they didn't either. Right. They passed. And I'm like, okay, so not only do we feel inequality as a woman from men, but we actually feel inequality from other women. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, that's really really, good thing to bring up really big on as soon as women get over the competition or she's had it easier than me or whatever it is. And we, we as just women alone can support one another. The men will come. Mm -hmm. It's we, we can't wait for the men to give us equality, it's equality among our own gender. Mm-hmm. And then the other gender will be there. So we have it. I don't think we actually talk about that enough. No. Um, is that the equality doesn't come from men. The, the inequality comes from other women. It's almost like when you look in a mirror and you have all these thoughts about yourself, yeah. it's like you have to give that to yourself totally. first before yeah. someone else can give you the love. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And we have to, you know, this is another thing that I talk about and I see it, especially 
I mean, especially in politics, is when women think that they have to be a man in business and politics, whatever, that's inequality. Mm -hmm. That is not being a true woman. When other women put other women down for using consciousness or love or intuition, or I just feel this is right. When they, when they look down on women for using those words or that terminology, that's inequality. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you flip it, and if we start using, this feels right, this is what my intuition tells me, then that becomes logic. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then we have a different business model altogether and the equality goes away when we all start realizing that each of us has, um, has a natural direction instead of a program direction. And so I'm all about women that have that, that are successful, that we all look up to, to start using a different vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, it hasn't happened yet. I'm in all honesty, there's a, I mean, there's some really big CEOs out there, female CEOs and politicians that they're, they're too scared to, to use, uh, feminine words. Mm -hmm. And then until we get over that, we're always going to have inequality. And so tell us a little bit about the future of Kippies. The future of Kippies. Just, you're doing all these different fun flavors yeah. now and yeah. the milks. and Yeah. I have a, I've gotten back to my creative side. Um, like I said, the move and we just have to, we, we just pivot. So right now the point is that we have a store in Tokyo. We have a store on Main Street and I'm actually not going to open up any stores for the next six months, maybe even all of 2017. I might not open up any more stores at that for that mm -hmm. year. And I might only concentrate on new products mm -hmm. because I have this surge of creativity. That's nice. And so we have a line of organic raw coconut milks that I'm super excited for because I'm going to go on a rant and say, Go look at the ingredients of the alternative milks in the super at Whole Foods. Just mm -hmm. go look. I'm sorry, but carrageenan is a neurotoxin and almost every alternative milk has carrageenan in it. And as we all know, almond milk, coconut milk, if it can't last more than five days. Mm -mm. So why are you buying it at Whole Foods or wherever that has a two year shelf life on it? And um, so I'm super excited about these clean uh, raw organic coconut milks that we're coming out with that's they're in glass. It's with reverse osmosis water. It's with raw organic coconut cream. And then we have a plain one and then everything else is sweetened with either raw honey or dates, but there's lavender, there's golden milk, there's a ginger, there's a peppermint, there's a strawberry, a chocolate, a vanilla. Like I'm just, and matcha um, too. And matcha. So yeah. Good. I'm, I'm beside myself. <laughs> And then we have a line of um, flavored raw honeys coming out. Mm. So what we did was we took raw honey and we're infusing them with essential oils. So you'll get a lavender raw honey. You'll get a peppermint raw honey, a lemon raw honey, a citrus raw honey. And again, I, I kind of envision these going in your teas yeah. or on top of the ice cream or 
or just or coconut yogurt, just coconut or... yogurt, and mm-hmm. and just are baking with them, right? Mm-hmm. Like putting some some flavor into your baked goods. Um, and then I have a some new flavors coming out for winter, like chai, and I, we have a coconut milk hot chocolate in the shop now. And, oh, I'll have um, to try that. Yeah, it's again, it's a uh, we all order hot chocolate, and I have to say, most of us are disappointed mm-hmm. when we get it. It's either watery <laughs> or too sugary. You know, something's like it's all just not balanced. So, I'm excited about the coconut milk hot chocolate that we have, um, and I'm I, I have some other projects for Kippies with with food that's coming for spring that oh, um, nice. I can't talk about at this moment, but <laughs> some new lines coming up. What about Tokyo? When did that open? Tokyo opened 14 months ago and I oh. just came back in October. Uh, I was there Why for Tokyo? our one year anniversary. So there's a company that, that sought us out and they are known for taking California brands or American brands to Japan. Um, and they really go after brands that they see as the future, mm-hmm. young brands. So they see the young brands that, that have staying power. And so, um, you know, had I listened to probably somebody with an MBA from Harvard, they would have said, no, you're way too young to go to Tokyo or you're not prepared. Uh, but in, in Kippy and Max manner of doing things <laughs> like, they came to us and they're talking to me. This is when I had the shop on Lincoln and Rose and they're talking to me about a shop in Tokyo and, and how they want to take this to Japan. And, and the Japanese is used to non-dairy, but they're not used to coconut and they're not used to raw honey either. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, and I'm saying yes, but I'm thinking, yeah, in five years. And then what happens? They got super serious and they were like, no, we want to open up a shop in six months. And we were like, uh, okay, <laughs> sure. Can you do this? And they're like, this is what we do. And, and they s- invested in it. Yeah. So wow. they, so they, we have a, we have a franchise deal with them. And so we were super pleased and super happy. And I went there in October and this is the magnificence of execution is that human beings, we have these ideas and then as human beings, we can actually execute them. Right. Yeah. So I saw an idea that I executed here and then they had the idea of like, let's take it to Japan. And we actually executed it. And the ice cream is so rich and creamy there. Sometimes I think they do it better than us. (laughs) Um, I marveled at, and again, I'm like, well, define this, define this as a human being or let this define me as a human being. Like we have an idea and we're able to execute it. And I loved it. And so they will get ready to open up more shops in Japan. And, uh, it's really, and we get a lot of press. I, I'm really proud of this one piece. Uh, when I was there, there was a magazine that wrote about all of the non-dairy ice cream shops in Tokyo And this is what they said about Kippies in Tokyo is they were like, this ice cream is so rich and creamy. You don't even miss the dairy. (laughs) And they didn't say that about any other shop. And that's what I was super proud of Mm -hmm. is that we were able to recreate the creaminess of dairy ice cream that you didn't even miss that it wasn't dairy. Yeah. 
And so I know, and you did it beautifully. Yeah. So I was really, I was, I, I was like, oh, execution. This is, it's marvelous. Um, for the overall goal of Kippies is I'm still holding the goal of being the first organic non-dairy ice cream franchise this country has seen. And we have a business model for 84 stores plus. Wow. And uh, I hope to be able to execute it. Um, nationwide or nationwide, well, I guess global. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Nation and global. I hope. So I just want to, I just hope that it's my destiny and that's what I work for. Um, and also there's, it's funny because I, I can't let Kippy's, the ice cream shop, define me as a person. Mm -hmm. I have a lot more interest than just just the coconut ice cream. And there's a lot of things I want to do with food. And um, there's actually, I'm really interested in trash and recycling. And so one day I won't be running Kippy's. Somebody else will. I don't know when, but at mm -hmm. one point I won't be running this company. And, um, I'm interested in what happens with all of our trash and all of our recycling and what are we going to do? Cause we have this one planet and we can't be keep, we can't keep throwing everything out. And as a business, I want to be more sustainable. I, if I'm not zero waste now, it's, I still have that goal to be zero waste. Mm -hmm. And this is also what I want to say is, look, we all have, just because you can't do something perfect doesn't mean you don't do it. And that's what I hear a lot. Like, oh, I can never open up my own business because I'm a perfectionist and I want everything done my way. And I'm like, that's just an excuse. Mm -hmm. That's just a plain out excuse. It might be a good one, but still just an excuse. Like you do things and then you will learn to finesse and perfect them. Um, but I'm really interested in like, how much can we consume? Mm -hmm. How much packaging can we consume before we live in a pile of trash? Not much more. Not much more. Mm -mm. And businesses, consumers, we all have our play in it. What I'm interested in is, from a business point of view, is do we do it from the consumer point of view? Like, do we attack that? Or do we just allow the consumers to keep consuming, but on the back end, I don't know what the answer is. But. Yeah. Like to use the businesses or, or like, like how taxing works. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know, but I'm, I would like to spend some time and energy and, and, and finessing that and looking into it. And what are, how are renewable energy all of the renewable energy is going to come into play. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, lots of good stuff. So that kind of leads to my last question, which is what do you want to leave behind? <sighs> I want to leave behind a legacy of just say yes and you can do it, right? I want to leave behind a legacy of I'm going to try this. I'm going to do do it, do it because I feel like this is the right thing to do. And it doesn't matter what the outcome is. And, um, I want to leave behind a legacy that is positive, that people admire and also can use as motivation. Um, and I hope that it's not just ice cream. I hope I do it as a person, right. In, in my relationships, um, I want people to, 
to be able to say they've they've communicated with me they have a relationship with me that is that is inspiring that's graceful that's sustainable that's open and i hope that that's the legacy that uh i and any company that i start with leaves well thank you so much for sharing with us and thanks for coming today and I just love being around you and talking with you and you have Same such here. great energy and you're already leaving <laughs> everything that you want to leave behind you're already doing it you're so graceful and I'm just really inspired by you oh thank you so much I really appreciate that it's um <laughs> I want to leave with this is that especially as women like what you said is so beautiful to me and I think as women we could kind of deflect it mm -hmm. right and I'll in what's beautiful as a human being is we can accept that. Right. Yeah. And, and so I want to say, I accept what you just said and thank you so much. And I feel the same way about you. And, um, I'm just happy to, I'm happy to be on this earth at this time. Right. Yeah. Like there's a lot of good stuff going on. And so I'm happy to be part of it and happy to be part of your life. Uh, you're, you know, just every day when you come in mm -hmm. for ice cream and we get to chat, you touch my life and you inspire me. Aww. And as I always say, it's no fun making ice cream or anything if no one shows up to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so Aww, much. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>